So, for example, what you could do is you could say, okay, well, in 30 minutes, I'm going to go crazy on social media. So in 30 minutes' time, I'm going to have a full 20 minutes to just go nuts. I'll be all over Twitter, Facebook. I can jump around. I can multitask. I can have like 18 windows open all at once. But I can't do that until 30 minutes is up. From the same method, my name is Christina Cantors, and this is Stand Out, Get Noticed, the podcast that helps you communicate with confidence and clarity so you can get what you want in business and in life. To subscribe to the show and download the back catalogue, go to thecmethod.com slash podcast. Hey, it's Christina here. Tell me something. When you're going about your day, do you find yourself writing out lengthy to-do lists, yet you never manage to seem to make any progress? Or maybe your email inbox is a constant stream of other people's demands, needing attention right now, and by the end of the day, you've exhausted yourself fighting your way through them, yet the emails keep flowing in? Or maybe you're about to turn in for the night, only to think, oh, I'll just quickly check my Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, and next thing you know, three hours have passed and you're sitting in the same hunched position, madly scrolling through some random person's feed with no idea of how on earth you ended up down this rabbit hole? Hmm. Well, on this week's episode, that is episode 21, I'm revisiting one of the most popular topics from my first podcast, procrastination and productivity. Last year, I was fortunate enough to meet and interview productivity expert Hugh Culver, and we talked about how to bust through the procrastination that holds us back and how to get things done. The feedback I received from that episode has been phenomenal, so I'm sharing that conversation with you today. But before we get to that, I just want to give a shout out to all the awesome people who have taken my free 21-day confidence building course, and especially to those who have written to me to tell me how much it's helped them. I really appreciate that. Now, if you haven't signed up for the course, what are you waiting for? Learn how to be confident and clearly explain what you do, so that means no more weird looks when meeting someone for the first time. We all want to have better conversations, right? And learning to explain what you do is a big part of that. If that sounds interesting to you, sign up at freeconfidencecourse.com. 21 days, 21 lessons, totally free. It's just too easy. <laughs> okay, let's meet my featured guest this week. Hugh Culver is a successful keynote speaker, best-selling author, and expert on the topic of productivity. In this conversation, Hugh shares why we procrastinate, and he shares actions that you can take now to be more productive in less time, and as a result, lead a happier, richer life. He also podcasts. His show is called The Experts Enterprise, which you can find at hughculver.com. Okay, Rockstar, are you ready to get stuff done? All right, let's go. Oh, and just FYI, as a bit of a throwback, I'm using some of the sick dubstep music transitions from the first podcast. Oh, yeah. I've got this uh, crazy background where I came out of adventure tourism and got into the whole business of being a speaker and, and seminar leader quite a long time ago. 
And what's, what's evolved over time is I started to look at the trends that are happening with all of my clients. And what I became really fascinated in was the challenge that people are having getting things done. You know, so people refer to this as procrastination, you know, get things done by David Allen, that sort of formula they talk about, um, to-do lists. So I, I, what I was realizing was a lot of my clients were struggling with productivity and I was as well. So I became fascinated with the fact that, you know, they've got a need and I've got a need. And so for the last, uh, I would say really probably seven years now, that's become one of my primary focuses is helping people to create real results and what I call a, a rich life. I think I think we could all do some help with procrastination and, and getting results. Uh, I also I also love the fact that you're Canadian. Just Just saying, <laughs> just saying. As an Australian, we love Canadians. <laughs> well, it, you know, yeah, Canadians love Australia. So it is actually one of the countries that most Canadians, Canadians that have a passport, I should say, you know, Canadians that travel, most Canadians have been to Australia. So, yeah, we love Australia. <laughs> we're all, we're all uh, reciprocating the love. Now, now, Hugh, I like to ask my interview guests about the sure. two things. Have you heard of the two things before? Oh, no, I haven't. What okay. is it? Well, it's, it's based on the idea that any subject or topic can be distilled down into just two things that you need to know about it. And anything else is either an application of those two things or it's just not important. So to give you one example, the two things about writing. Number one, include what's necessary. And number two, leave everything else out. <laughs> So I'd like to ask you, what are your two things about procrastination? Okay, so I'm going to boil it down to how you think and then how you act. Now, most people only focus on how you act, but I think that, first of all, you have to deal with how you think. And there's some really crazy research around this, which uh, is is all, all in the family of positive psychology. And the research is showing that a lot of the things that make us procrastinate are kind of um, counterintuitive. So, for example, worrying about procrastination actually makes you procrastinate even more. <laughs> and so, um, so the other thing is self-doubt or self-criticism is going to make you procrastinate even more or be less productive. So, for example, if people claim to be a procrastinator, they're more likely to actually look for examples of how they procrastinate and prove that they're right. Or if people believe that they're always buried in clutter or are terrible at making lists or love to make goals but don't follow them, then they're actually more likely to do exactly that. So the first challenge is to change how you think. So if you know you are challenged getting things done or you take on too much or you find you get easily distracted with Twitter or Facebook or email or whatever it is, then you need to actually really look at, well, why is it, what is it about your thinking um, that allows that uh, to happen? So, you know, in, um, in my example, it's, I used to say I was busy. So that's the type of thinking. So I used to actually equate busy with success because I would look at people who were further ahead than I was in terms of their financial success or their size of their business or the lifestyle that they led. And I would notice that they were super busy. So of course, you know, in my mind, uh, I, I decided, oh, well, busy must be successful. So then I just 
went about getting really busy. So, you know, every every company that I owned or started within about six months, I was super busy. And then people would ask me, how's it going? And I would say, really busy. And so I was like giving myself this really pat, big pat on the back for the wrong reasons. Yeah. So the first thing is you got to change how you think. Can I just and, ask a question about that? Yeah, please. So, so with, I'm just thinking like how like what distracts me? And I know I always get distracted by uh, Twitter and Facebook and email. Like I'm just constantly just going back and checking. Oh, I wonder if I've got another email. I sort of just keep going. What sort of, what sort of mindset is that? Yeah. So it's not actually about the volume of the emails you get or even the quality of the emails you get. What's going on is actually it's a manufactured distraction. Okay. So what's going on is my guess is that there are Hard, there's harder work, albeit it may be more valuable, but there's harder work that needs to get done. And what the brain says is, that's going to be hard. Like that's, you know, that's hard stuff. And I don't want to screw it up. I also need a lot of time and energy to get into it. And then the brain sees Twitter or Facebook and says, oh, well, that'll keep me busy. So now I'm actually getting kind of satisfied by this addictive uh, stream because it is very addictive because we get rewarded. You know, if, you, if you're if you on Twitter long enough, soon someone's going to retweet you. And then you're going to go, oh, good thing I watched. Or, or someone's going to send you an email that actually is valuable. And you're going to say, oh, good thing I checked. So – it's it's not so much – I wouldn't look so much at the lure of the social media. What I'd look at is what's been avoided. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely – I definitely put off the, the more lengthy and more difficult, more challenging tasks in favor of the really easy task, which is just, you know, going on Facebook, commenting, sending yeah. tweets, that sort of thing. And so, and so Neil Fiore, uh, F-I-O-R-E, Neil Fiore is kind of famous uh, for his work in this area. And he, his book is called The, uh, the Now Habit. And he has this technique called unschedule, which is really fascinating. So what he's discovered is that a great way to get started on the really important work, in other words, overcome procrastination, is to first of all schedule the fun work. So, for example, what you could do is you could say, okay, well, in 30 minutes, I'm going to go crazy on social media. So in 30 minutes' time, I'm going to have a full 20 minutes to just go nuts. I'll be all over Twitter, Facebook. I can jump around. I can multitask. I can have like 18 windows open all at once. But I can't do that until 30 minutes is up. And so then he says step two is to get to work on what he calls quality work. And so quality work is very focused and single tasking. Uh, and so for the next 30 minutes, I have to then get this work done so that I can enjoy my unscheduled time. It's kind of a reverse, you see. So most of us, what we do, we start the day by we plot out, okay, you know, here's a whole bunch of work I got to get done. It's kind of depressing, but I got to do all this work. I got to get all this work done. And he says, actually, you should try it in reverse. You should figure out, first of all, what's the playtime going to look like? So as I told you before, Christina, like in about two and a half hours, I'm out of here and I'm on my way home. And the lake is probably going to be perfectly calm. We live across the street from the lake in the Okanagan here in British Columbia. I'm going to pick up my surf ski. I'll be on the water and I'm going to have this amazing workout for one hour. And so that's in the back of my mind all day long and it totally is motivating me to be on time get things done and to create great results wow that's very cool okay scheduling in playtime and 
and yeah, first, first, and then you, then that yeah. becomes top of your list. And then step three, just to complete the formula, is then you go back at the end of the day and you count up how much quality time you did in thirty-minute increments. So let's say today I did you know three, so that's one point five hours. Or I did four, okay, that's two hours. So the last step is to actually go back and then start to count up day by day. How did I do on Tuesday? How did I do on Wednesday? And to start to look at it. Because the reality is, and this is especially true for students and self-employed people, but really for anybody nowadays that has a job or has you know a big project like, like education, the reality is that we really only put in a couple of hours of quality work every day. Yeah. We think we think we're busy, but if you look at you know the work that actually either creates income or gets a project done or gets my paper due uh, for my professor, um, it actually only adds up to a couple of hours a day, three, four, five hours a day. And so the trick is, and this is step number three, is to go back and say, okay, well, what did I actually get done today, and did I actually do better than yesterday? Okay, thanks for sharing that. That's yeah. wait, wait, that's still, we're still on the first thing, so that's all <laughs> in the mind, and you've probably right. already covered. You know, part of what no, the and then it's was. acting. So the part acting. of it, what I cover is acting. So I'll give you a couple of quick tips on acting. So the thinking is the first part is to recognize what's holding you back in terms of the way that you des you describe yourself or you describe the problem. And so a lot of that has to do with um, self criticism and blame. And so you get you get around that by um, doing the you know unscheduling. So in other words, let's 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 schedule my playtime first. That's one way of doing it, anyways. The the second part is around acting differently, and this is more traditional, but it really does make a big impact. So I really recommend, for example, that cre people create boundaries of time. So for me, generally, it's uh, 60 minutes when I first arrive at the office. And what that means is that by the time I get here, I want 60 minutes of undistracted time. That's a boundary of mine. It fits in with my circadian rhythm. In other words, I'm a very much a morning person. So it's really important I have that boundary. I have another boundary shortly after lunch. And these these boundaries of time are what I call um, scheduled, you know, basically it's scheduled unavailability. So I have manufactured a meeting with myself. That's that's the first thing. The second thing that I really recommend people do is that they batch their work together, especially nowadays. Uh, you should be batching your email. So you should batch your email in like 10 or 15 minute chunks and then stay off of it. If you have to turn the, the email tool off, Outlook or Mail or whatever, turn it off. You should batch together your planning. You should batch together your Facebook. I mean, all of these things are far more efficient when you actually um, put them all together. It's no different than like cooking a meal or doing the dishes or doing the laundry. Like you want to get it all done at once. So so boundaries is the first thing. So schedule time when you're unavailable, strategically unavailable. Then uh, batching is when you um, put similar tasks um, all, all together. Uh, blocking is the third strategy. That's where you go on the calendar and you make appointments with yourself. So that's how I actually get done all of my planning for my keynotes is I actually put them on the calendar as meetings. And then the fourth thing is taking breaks. People need to take breaks more often. So it's now in my time, it's like 1.30 in the afternoon. And I've already had, I think, 10 breaks today. <laughs> wow. Design students, are you listening? Take breaks. Absolutely. <laughs> you can't physically work for like eight hours straight. No. You need to take those breaks. 
constantly take breaks. And listen, if you are a student listening to this and you're kind of anchored to your computer or whatever it is you're working on, really simple technique. It sounds silly, but it really works. Is just to move things away from your desk. So um, like if I look around my room, my recycling box is over there, my garbage cans over there, my water bottles over there. And all day long, I've been getting up and moving around. And that's exactly what you need to do to uh, not only stay healthy because there's incredible research now uh, based on some really major longitudinal studies, one of which was, was done in Australia, uh, that uh, show that sitting is what they call the new cancer, but also it makes you much more alert. Yeah, getting up and moving. Architecture students, that means you have to leave the studio, go home and sleep. <laughs> or, go, or, or go for a walk around the block before you come back to sleep under your desk. <laughs> Now, Hugh, you created a travel company doing tours to Antarctica, which is very cool. And you, um, you've also done Ironman competitions and marathons. Now you're a speaker, but you speak about different, different topics. But do you draw on your stories and experiences from Antarctica and, and doing your marathons and all that to, to help get your message across? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, of course. You know, it's, it's what makes a lesson memorable. It also helps to get the attention of the audience. So when I design a keynote, which is you know generally uh, 60 minutes long, so I actually, after I've got the framework of the keynote, I insert stories. So the stories are designed uh, to, uh, well, basically the formula I use is it's a three-step formula. So every time I'm teaching a lesson, the formula I use is story lesson application so and i'll explain each one of those but the after i've got my framework for my keynote i go back in and i say okay so what would be an awesome story oh i'll I'll use the airplane story here oh no no you know i'll use the story about my daughter kate here oh okay i'm going to use the story here of um you know this conversation i have with this client or and so i have this inventory and i use evernote for this it's really convenient so in evernote i have an inventory of all my stories and um i just go and uh, go through that and i say oh that's a perfect story for this one the second part is uh is lesson so that's when i segue into here's what this story means and people need this like they need to know you know basically empirically okay what you know, what's the specific thing he's trying to tell me here? So all too often what speakers will do is tell a very entertaining story and then move on. And so that's fine for comedy, but it's not fine if you're being paid to deliver. So you need to create a segue which says, you know, and what I learned from that is, or, hey, heads up, here's something that this might be relevant for you. But you make it very explicit. This is the lesson I got from that. And then the third part is application. And this is when I, and I call it peppering the audience. So this is where I give them um, examples of how to actually use that lesson based on who I know is in the audience. So I might give an example that's more appropriate for a receptionist front uh, desk client facing employee and then right after that I'll give a quick example for a middle manager and then I'll give an example for someone who might be in the room who is actually a vendor so my job is to help people to learn I'm not I'm not the entertainment speaker and so I have to make sure that everybody in the room took that lesson away okay so 
what about um, if someone's getting up to present their work? So say we're in a we're at a we're in a school and someone's there's a student who's got up to present their work and they're presenting. You know, this is my research. These are my ideas. This is what you know. This is what I believe in. This is what my values are. And you, they just want their audience and their teachers to just get really interested in their design and to really sort of buy into their ideas. So, what sort of story can they incorporate that's going to make their message or make them memorable and their and their presentation um, engaging? Yeah. So it's a great question because. Uh, oftentimes, you know, like for example, Christina, for me, it's I can always go back to Antarctica, put up a picture of penguins, and I have everyone's attention. <laughs> you know, okay, let's talk about penguins again. And Everyone so loves penguins, like, right? But but I also recognize that after I've been in the industry for a while, that that gets a little bit you know old. It was old for me, so then I had to look at different stories. So a great place to look for stories is not necessarily from your life, because for example, if you're young and you know, really, uh, you know, you haven't traveled a lot yet. Maybe you haven't even had your first job. Maybe you don't have story, as many stories that you think are relevant. You've got lots of stories, but, you, you know, you can't quite connect it to the lesson. So so then what I would do is I'd look at metaphors. So can you turn this into a nice metaphor? So is does this, does this uh, lesson or this uh, point or argument that you're trying to make, is it, is it, is there an obvious metaphor that comes from, in movies or, you know, or comes from, uh, you know, Animal Kingdom or, you know, anything you can think of, you know, like even if you, you know, even if you have to go to something kind of hackneyed, like talk about how do you eat it, you know, little joke, like how do you eat an elephant or, you know, like anything that's going to create a picture for people is going to make it much more interesting and memorable for them. Um, so, you know, it's it doesn't have to be extremely um, elaborate. It doesn't have to even take that long. But it, it's much more interesting for um, people to, you know, for example, when I talk about batching work together, well, that's not something that is necessarily very new to people. So what I do is I just talk about chopping wood. I say, you know, every summer we go to this friend's cabin and one of the jobs is to chop wood. And it wouldn't make much sense to go out and chop one piece of wood and then bring it into the cabin. It would be a bit silly. It's like washing one dish at a time or cooking, you know, only the noodles and then going thinking about cooking something else. So what you do is you go outside, you chop a lot of wood, then you come back inside and now you've batched it together. So you see, what I did there was just present a really simple story that anybody can relate to, even if they've never chopped wood. But now it creates a little bit of a visual that's going to make it more memorable. That's awesome. I really like that. I like the I like the movie reference because everyone, you know, most people will understand, you know, what a character is going through in a movie or, or whatever. Yeah, and I and I'm not good at that. I mean. I, <laughs> Uh, we still rent videos here, not because we're Canada so behind, but <laughs> but it's be, but it's because um, we have a really favorite video store down the street called Leo's, and it's the only one left in our city now. Thank you. Which is kind still. of sad. It's kind of sad, but that's that one of the things we really love is once a week we go to Leo's. And uh, last Friday I was in there, and I was a little bit – I wasn't quite sure if I'd seen this movie before. So they looked it up on the internet for, or they on their records you know, for me on their computer. I'd rented it three times before, so I'm not the best person for movie <laughs> references. But however, 
I do. I love it when people do that. Like I love it when they make a, a reference to to Star Wars or Indiana Jones or like one of the classics. I just love it because even if I don't remember that exact movie reference, right away I remember the movie, and it brings up great memories for me. And it's it's you know if you throw an image up on the screen, it doesn't take very long to make your talk much more engaging and interesting just with a quick reference to something. So, so that's a great one to use. It's just pick a movie that's really, you know, one of the big box office smashes and you'll have people's attention. Easy. Spider-Man, Transformers. Anything. All of those. I love yeah. that. That's so cool. Oh, well, look, Hugh, we're coming to the end of, our, of the interviews, but uh, thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge with us. I love what you shared about procrastination, especially. I think we all need help with just getting things done and yeah, changing our mindset and just being like, no, nah, I'm going to shut off the, the phone, shut off um, email, that sort of thing. Now, if, if people want to learn more about you and, and read your blog and, and listen to your podcast, because I know you also podcast as well about these, these topics, where can they find you? Sure. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for that. So, uh, go to Hugh Culver. So H U G H Culver C U L V E R Culver. So HughCulver.com. And there's actually some great, uh, videos there under goodies. So just go to the goodies section and there's some really, uh, I think easy to learn from videos there and it shows you how I teach. It also shows you some really great simple skills you can do to help with your productivity. Awesome. Thanks so much, Hugh, and uh, and all the very best with the, with your with your paddling. Go um My, go get you going water skiing, is it? I uh, know it's actually called a surf ski. A surf ski. So it's like a um Olympic K one uh, that they race flat water Olympic K one boats that you race. So yeah, it's uh it's an invention out of South Africa. So yeah, I love it. It's very fast. It's very tippy. So it fits me perfectly. Wow, very <laughs> cool. All right, thanks again, Hugh. It was great to cool. talk to you. My pleasure. That was fun. Thanks. Who else wants to schedule surf skiing into their day? Um, me. <laughs> Thanks again to the lovely Hugh Culver. I dare say he's my favourite Canadian. I'll pop links to this conversation at the show notes at thecmethod.com slash Hugh. That's H-U-G-H. Now on that note, I think I'm going to go get some stuff done. I hope you have a fabulous productive week and I will see you next Wednesday morning. Keep on being awesome. My name's Christina Cantors and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed.